morning is found in Psalms, Psalm 127 and Psalm 128. You turn there with me in your Bibles, Psalm 127 and Psalm 128. don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers do have Bibles available, raise your hand and they'll bring one to you. Let's all stand then in respect to the reading of God's Word. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. May God give us understanding this portion of scripture that we'll be preaching from in our text this morning. If you would remain standing with me, let's bow in a moment of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day we've come to worship you, this day that we set aside to honor our mothers. Each one of us has a mother, and for that we thank you, but even more so, Lord, those of us who have seen your hand, your direction, your guidance, and your love through our mothers. We thank you for that. We thank you and pray for our mothers that are here today. Those who desire to honor you. We pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we might see from your word today the purpose that you have set for parents and specifically for mothers today. And that we might desire to live that way. Give wisdom to mothers so that as they toil in the labor of raising their children that they might see fruit that brings glory to you. Thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. A happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. It's an honor and privilege for me to have my mother here, to have my mother-in-law here, to have my wife here, to have my daughter here, to have my daughters-in-laws here, all our excellent mothers, and praise God for each one of them. (laughs) 
besides all of you here, the excellent mothers that God has uh, raised here at Sweet Communion. I'm so thankful and so blessed to have that privilege. Today I'd like to speak from God's Word in Psalm 127. Psalms 127. What does it take to be a mother? Well, it simply takes having a child. Technically makes you a mother. But to be a good mother, it takes much more than that. And of course, the Word of God guides us and helps us to see what it is and what it means to, to be a good mother. It's interesting that God is referred to as our Heavenly Father and never as our mother. But what does that say? Is that some negative against motherhood? Certainly not. God is all-sufficient. And as our Father, He is both Father and Mother to His children. He is a Father who does it all, including the mother. What, what God does with us is he says we're made in his image. Male and female he created. And so it takes two to fill the role that God provides otherwise himself, a father and a mother, to raise children as God would have us to raise them. In Psalm 127, it, it starts off by saying, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it, build it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. So in those first two verses, we see a very important general truth that's communicated. That truth is brought out if we look at several key words in this. They just kind of jump out at us. Some key words is the Lord builds. It's the Lord who watches. It says, unless the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord watches over the city. So the Lord builds, the Lord watches. That's a key phrase. Another key phrase in these two verses is the word labor. Toil is associated with that. In other words, it takes a lot of work to do this particular thing. Or there's much effort that is involved, as these phrases suggest. Then he he, he uses the term stays awake or rising up early. That's, again, this idea that to do whatever he's talking about takes a lot of effort. It starts early in the morning, and it continues to weigh late at night. All right? And then there is this term of vain. Something is vain compared to something else, or unless there's something else. So the first word gives us a, cue, a clue, unless this happens, everything else is vain. And so the, the main truth that's being communicated there is without the Lord's blessing, 
all human effort and toil is worthless. That's the general truth in verse 1 and 2. Unless the Lord blesses something, all human toil, all human effort is worthless. So that's a general truth. Now, it doesn't suggest that there should be no human effort or work. The Bible isn't saying, well, it's all worthless, so I'm not going to even try. It doesn't suggest that we should have that kind of attitude towards anything. It suggests, though, that we may try and put all our effort, but our effort alone can't make something happen. God has to do something. God has to be in it. So he says, unless the Lord builds the house, then once the object of what's being worked on becomes this house, or in the second phrase, a city. And so in general, whatever is being done, unless God is in it, it's not successful. That's a key statement and a key phrase, and it pushes us to put our trust in the Lord. It's not suggesting, as I said, that we do nothing, but it suggests that what we do be in cooperation with what God does and what he blesses. So I would say to us, to mothers today, is that work in a way that God is working. Work along with God. Work and ask and seek God's blessing in what you do. But it's more to it than that. Because that general statement, that general truth is true in every category of our life. Unless God is in it, unless God blesses it, whatever that it is, we're doing something in vain. That's, that's true in every category in our life. But he gets more specific. It was challenging to me to see that verses 3, 4, and 5 are all connected verse 1 and 2, and that basic, simple, spiritual truth. Verse 1 and 2 gives it in general. Verse 3, 4, and 5 give us a specific application to this truth. I always ask myself the question, what does that have to do? What does 3, 4, and 5 have to do Verse 1 and 2, because it seems like he's, he's, he's bringing up a whole new topic when he says in verse 3, children, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. What does that have to do with 1 and 2? You might ask the question this way. Unless the Lord builds the house, what is the house? Those who labor build it in vain. Who are those who labor? You might ask the question, unless the Lord watches over the city, what city is he talking about or what does this city represent? The watchman stays awake in vain. Who's the watchman over this city? Who is he talking about? Is, is that a, a, an example or illustration or a picture of something else or somebody else? Then he says, the watchman stays awake in vain. What does it mean to stay awake? It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. What is he talking about there? And it, it seems clear he's talking about somebody who works all day long, who puts a lot of effort into it. Eating the bread of anxious toil. He is talking specifically about parenting. 
what it means and what it takes to be a parent. In verse 3, he says, behold, that's the key word, behold. Look, focus on this. What I said before has to do with what I'm about to say now. Behold, look, pay attention. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. It says this thing of children, we need to view as God would have us to view it. And he suggests several ways that we need to view this. Children are a heritage from the Lord. He, he gives several things that children should be compared to or things that are like children or raising children. He says, first of all, they need to be seen as an heritage from the Lord. What does that mean? Heritage is something passed down to us by God. Heritage, if you look at your heritage, you're looking at your history. What has happened before you? What's, what's being passed along to you now? Something by which we build our history. Something that not only is passed down to us, but something that we pass down then to others. Heritage then is the building blocks of society and culture. It's how we shape the world to come. God says children are the heritage. Then People have said it this way, children are the future. And that's true. Children are the future. They come from the past and they bring in the future. They are the building blocks that we use then to impact and affect the future. It's how we shape the world to come. It is through our children. Now, I think the world understands that, and sometimes I'm afraid that the world understands that even more than we as believers do, because they have focused a lot of their efforts on the children. But remind ourselves of what verse 1 and 2 says, that though you focus a lot of effort on something, if you don't focus in the right way in accordance with what God wants done and what God has purposed, then it's going to be in vain. A good example of that is in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, Jesus says, I'm going to read it, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus gives an amazing story to teach us a lesson. This is, this 
illustrates what it means to, to do a work, and it could be in vain. He says, in, in the two examples, one person built, both persons built a house, didn't you? It suggests that the same work goes into building this particular house. It takes the same effort. It takes the same construction materials. They all took their plans. They all put it together, began to construct it, and built a house. The difference was the foundation to which they built upon. And so he suggests that it's the same effort. So he's not suggesting that we give no effort. Similar effort, but a different foundation and therefore different results. The lesson there is there's a lot of effort in parenting. There's a lot of effort in mothering today. But you want your effort to be fruitful. You want your effort to, 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 to result in what pleases God. And the word of God will suggest how we do that. Let's look again at Psalm 127, verse 3. In verse 4, if, it's, if our work is not going to be in vain, then we need to view our work this way. First of all, we need to view children then as our heritage, as an heritage. And it also says this, behold, children are a heritage, what? From the Lord. From the Lord suggests that it, these children then are given to us by God. It speaks of them then being of a great value. You know, some things are important to us not because of their intrinsic value in itself, but because of the person who gave it to us. You probably have something at home, in your house, in your home, that is of some value to you more than to anyone else because of the one who gave it to you. That's how it is with children. He says, Children have been given to us by God, and simply because of that, we ought to value them highly because of the one who gave it to us. We realize then that God, God is the one who gives life. No one else can give life but God. God allows a human being, a female, to be a mother. No one else can bring that about. We also see this as his goodness. It's God, James chapter uh, 4 says, excuse me, James chapter 1 of verse 17 says, every good and every perfect gift is from above. It comes from God. In other words, God gives good gifts. Here's a good gift that he's given us, children. So we recognize God is gracious in his giving and he gives good gifts. It shows his goodness, but it also shows his sovereignty. When we realize that children come from God, we understand this. There are some who want children and can't have them, and others who have children and don't want them. But God is sovereign, and we, we, we question that, God, why won't you give children to to this individual, to this couple, and why have you given children to these others? And God simply doesn't answer that question for us, does he? He's sovereign, which means this, that God gives as he pleases, when he pleases, to whom he pleases, and for as long as he pleases. In other words, he directs, he orders things 
as he wants them to be. You know, we, we're a lot into family planning nowadays, and we think we can totally plan our family, but if you live long enough, you realize it don't always work that way. Your plans don't always come out that way. <laughs> God has a little bit something to do with that. <laughs> God gives as he pleases. He gives when he pleases. There's several couples in the Bible. They, they wanted a child dearly, but God waited and waited and waited. Abraham and Sarah were one. Even though God had promised, he waited till Abraham got 99 years old, and it was physically impossible for him to have children. And God met him one day and said, you're going to have that child about a year from now. And sure enough, he did. God gives when he pleases. Some of us here say, you know, why, God, did you wait till I got to be this age to give me another child? God gives when he pleases. We also recognize that God gives as long as he pleases. In other words, those children are lent to us for a season. We don't know how long that season is. I've been to funerals of, of, of young people who have died before they reached adulthood. We've been to children. We, we've seen uh, babies die before they're born. We've seen babies, infants die at a very early age. We don't know how long God gives those children to us, but he gives as long as he pleases. In other words, we recognize it's in his hand. It's totally in his hand. And we wrestle with that, but we accept God's sovereignty in that. So we're reminded of that. We need to view that as we raise our children, that God is sovereign in giving children. They are an heritage. They are something of great value. They reflect his goodness, his grace, and they reflect his sovereignty in that he gives in that way. He also says in this verse in Psalm 127, they, he, he speaks to them as the fruit of the womb. The fruit of the womb. And that's, that's a... Very simple phrase, but it reminds us of a couple things. Fruit of the womb reminds me that the children are like their parents. Fruit is like the tree. You expect apples from an apple tree. Children are like their parents. We need to remember that truth as we raise our children. You know, it, God gave us children sometimes just to teach us. <laughs> and we correct something in a child and we recognize where did they get that from? In some cases, they learned it directly from us. Now, there, there's that human nature that they have, but some of this is so particular that you, you have to say, no, that's not just human nature. They've been watching somebody. They've been listening to somebody, and they responded just like the person they watched and they listened to, and guess what? That person was me. That person was me. Fruit reminds us that it reflects the tree that it, was com that it comes from. Jesus used that often in his teaching. He says, hey, the fruit is just like the tree. Don't expect your children to be something that you are not. Be 
the right tree. Going back to the first picture that we got, children, our heritage, our responsibility then with that heritage is to be faithful stewards. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, I want to read that. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Paul viewed himself as a servant and a steward of the mysteries of God. And he says, I have a responsibility then to be faithful. In other words, I have a responsibility to communicate, to teach, to open up those mysteries to those who need to see them. Being a faithful steward then of the heritage that's been given us says that I have a responsibility now to, to communicate to, to be faithful to, to be consistent with these, this, this valuable asset that God has placed into my life. God has given me something. He's given me a gift. He's given me something of great value. I am now responsible for it, to take care of it, to do what God would have me to do with it. This week I have a cousin who lives in Chicago and has a daughter that started a year at Marquette in the fall, and she just finished her school year. And uh, when she came here in the fall, they stayed with us for a day as she was going into freshman orientation. And, and uh, she called me a week ago and said, you know, my daughter, in fact, the daughter called me and said, you know, cuz I'm, I'm, I'm going back home, but I got some stuff in my dorm that I can't take with me. Do you have space to keep it? So we obliged and said we'd keep it. So they came by the house and brought a few things that they wanted to store until the fall of next year. And I'm thinking, man, do I want to be responsible for this stuff? <laughs> What if something happens to it? I am now the holder of this valued item. And guess what? When they come back in the end of August and September, they're going to say, hey, cuz, where's my stuff? Right? Where's my stuff? I got it. I got it. I need to hold on to it. I need to put it somewhere safe. I need to keep it for them until they're ready to come get it. God is looking at our children that way. <laughs> He's giving us some children. He says, I want you to hold on to it. But don't just put it in a closet somewhere because this is not just a, 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 a chest or something that can be stored. This is a human life. What are you doing with it? What are you teaching him? What are you, what are you going to instill in him? I'm giving you the responsibility of holding on to this. And I'm going to check back with you later to see how you're done. That's the task of mothers today. God says, I've given you a great responsibility. So as the heritage that's been given to us, we are to be faithful stewards. As children are the fruit of the womb, we are to be good trees. Be a good example. Teach our children to live like us. You know what? Your children are more like you than you think. <laughs> They are listening to you and watching you more than you can imagine. 
the greatest example, the greatest teaching that you can do is how you live. Not what you say, that's important, but what's even more important than that is what you do. What you actually do. What you do on a day-to-day basis. Are you fulfilling responsibility that God has given you? He also says in this psalm, to go back there, the fruit of the womb is a reward. It's a reward. Children are not to be viewed as a burden. It's hard work. It's toil. It's labor. It's intense. It's a 24-7 rest of your life deal, being a mother. And you know that. But they are not to be viewed as simply time you got to spend. He says, they're reward. What is it about a reward? A reward is a treasure of great honor and value. Most of my awards that I've gotten in school are kind of long forgotten now, or maybe in basement in my mother's house somewhere, or I don't know. I don't have them anymore. But you know what? I remember them, and I still value them. This is not just an award. It's a reward. It's still of great value. Parents then have been entrusted with a precious treasure from God. You're responsible for guarding this treasure. You're responsible for guiding this treasure. And you're responsible for growing this valuable treasure. You guard it because it's of great value. You guide it, he says in the next verse there, like arrows. And we're going to talk about that, that need to be pointed and guided in a certain direction. And you are to grow this great treasure, help them to grow and to help them develop. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But as a reward, he says, they, the, fruit of the, room, <clears throat> the fruit of the womb, it says, a reward. As a reward, then, what, since our children are, are that reward, what is the mother to be? What is the parent to be? We're to be joyful beneficiaries. You receive something of, of value, then be joyful about it. And that's what I meant by saying they're not just a problem. Some parents go day to day seeing who they can pawn their kids off of. How I can get some free time, some me time. Well, I know that's stressful and I know that's hard, but God says don't view them as just a problem. View them as a reward. View them as something that God has given you and entrusted to you to handle, to grow, to develop, to guard, to guide as he would have them to be. He uses this phrase in the next verse, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Arrows speaks then of their purpose. Children have a purpose. I like, you know, arrow, today we would probably say a bullet, right? Because we don't do too much with the bow and arrow thing, but we do 
have firearms. And it's the same thought of a bullet that, that these children are. And I, I like to, to point out this way. How God wants us to view our children is, mothers, as bullets and not babies. As bullets and not babies. My baby, he's 14 years old now. He ain't a baby no more. If you view him as a baby, he is something to be coddled and, 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 and pampered. That's okay when he's six months old. But at six years, at 12 years, at 16 years, he's no longer a baby. He may be your youngest, but he's not a baby. And you ought to view him then as God would have you view him as a weapon, as a projectile. As a bullet, what's important about an arrow is that it be straight. Great care needs to be made in taken in making an arrow so that when, it, you know, there's a lot of, lot of energy that's pulled back in that bow and that string. And when it's released, you want that arrow going in the direction that's intended to go. In the case of a bullet, there's a lot of energy that goes to project that bullet forward and you want it to go that direction not come back and sputter or anything else so a lot of care needs to be taken in the bullet itself and the tool that's used to project it that tool is you you need to be sharp if you're going to 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 develop this child what he's talking about in the arrow in the hands of a warrior he says god has a purpose for your child and he wants you to see that purpose and work along with that purpose. And that purpose is that child is a projectile. And God has a purpose for that child to be aimed and directed for his purpose and for his glory. Mothers can make the mistake. Parents can make the mistake of projecting this child as they want him to go. Well, it takes a lot of wisdom for you to see that you'd be better off projecting him as God wants him to go. But it takes a lot of work to find out what that is. It takes a lot of prayer to say, God, what is it you want? What is your purpose for this bullet? <laughs> What's your purpose for this arrow? Where do you want him to go? How do you want him to hit? Who do you want him to hit? What do you want him to hit? What's his target? How do I send him on his way? the way God wants me to. We're going to see an illustration of this as we get on. But they're bullets, not babies. And you need to change your way that you speak of them so that you're, in, you're aligned with what God sees. You know, your children grow up quickly. God wants you to see that he has a specific purpose for him, not just to be coddled and pampered. He says this, arrows, he says, in the hands of a warrior. Now, who is that warrior? I suggest that the parent himself is that warrior, but I would tell you ultimately God is that warrior. 
that God has a purpose for that child, and he is sending him and using him for that purpose. I'm thankful that um, my mother decided that she would give me over to God. I'm sure she had an idea of what she wanted me to be, uh, something that would make her proud, supposedly, of uh, someone that would be successful in whatever. But God says he's not going to be an engineer. He's going to be a pastor. And I'm going to point him in this direction. Now, maybe you, you may get more glory if, if he's this rather than that. You know, we often think of our, our children as, you know, what are they going to be famous for? But maybe you ought to be thinking of what does God want them to accomplish instead of being famous for something. How does God want to use them for his kingdom and for his glory? Get in tune with God. Get to know what God is doing and, 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 and ask him specifically what area does, do, do you have in mind for my child? Get to know that. That's not something I can tell you right offhand. You have to study with God. You have to spend time with God. You have to wrestle with God. You have to wrestle with that child, and you have to see what it is that God has in mind. You may not know it all. I'm sure you don't, all the specifics. But you can shape him so that when God decides to point him, he's going to go in that right direction. When I think about mothering, as I mentioned before, we don't see God as a mother in Scripture. We see God as a father, and we see him as a parent. And, and we know that with a father, you need no mother. With a father like God, you need no other complement to that. God is all. He's sufficient in all that. What kind of parent was God and is God? Well, we get several examples of that in our own lives, how he treats us as believers and we see a specific example with his one unique and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of parent is God? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 32. And I want to see the illustration, the highlight of these things that we've spoken of so far in the Lord Jesus Christ. God valued him as his son. It says in John, excuse me, in Romans 8, verse 32, it says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You might wonder, what, how can this apply to parenting and mothers? He who did not spare his own son it's, pictures Jesus as a son and therefore sees the father, God, as the father. And the view of, of the father towards his son is one who did not spare his son. What does, that, what does that mean to Jesus and what does that mean and how can we apply that in our lives? It says in that verse that he did not spare his son, but what he did was this. He gave him up for us. 
He did not keep his son in a sheltered environment, even though it was a glorious one in heaven, but he released him from that. Why? For our sake. You can say it this way. He didn't hold on to a life of ease or comfort for his son, but he sent his son to be killed. But for our sake, what does that teach us as parents? Your your responsibility as a parent is not to pursue the comfort of your children. Your responsibility as a parent is not to pursue the comfort of your children. And I say that twice because it goes over our head because that seems to be our main purpose. You say, well, what do you mean? I feed them when they need to be fed. I give them everything that they need. I'm concerned with their comfort. When they're sick, I want them well. You love them, and God loves his children as well. In fact, sometimes I think our attitude is that we love more than God loves. Because our sense of parenting says, I will never let my child be sick. I will never let something else happen. I will never let them engage in something that would be dangerous to them. I wouldn't be a good parent if I did that. So our whole sense of parenting, I think, needs a shift. Now, I'm I'm not suggesting that you put your child in harm's way for the sake of being in harm's way. Here's what I'm suggesting. That you give your child as God gave his child. You give yourself for God's purpose and your child for God's purpose. God the Father is saying, even though I don't want to see my child, my one and only son, suffer, I want him to accomplish, ultimately to accomplish my purpose. And I'm going to point him and project him to that purpose. Jesus lived 33 years in this life, and one of the verses says that the foxes uh, have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. The one who is richer than all riches, who owns everything, who created everything, came down to earth because the Father desired to accomplish his purpose in his Son and did not spare his Son. I grew up in the baby boom age, and I think that generation, they, 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 they enjoyed prosperity. They enjoyed living in, in, in a sense of having things. And, and we kind of, they kind of lavished their kids with stuff, thinking, I couldn't have this stuff, and I want my kids to have the best of everything. Let me tell you, that's not your responsibility. That's not your primary responsibility as a parent. Your primary responsibility is to Bring them up to glorify God. So stop thinking of all their comfort and think of God's glory. God the Father sent his son from comfort, from luxury to earth. But he did that not to be cruel. He did that to accomplish. He was singly focused on accomplishing his purpose for us. Those who are in need of rescuing. God made your child for his glory. Mother, 
the best mother is one that honors God, sees her children as a gift from God for God's glorious purpose and has set her heart to accomplish that in her children. Prepares her children then for that. In attitude, as I said, you view them not as babies, but as bullets in the hand of a warrior. God, use this child for your glory. Help me to shape, form, and prepare and project this child in a way that satisfies not my wishes, but your desire and your glory. Stop doing what your child wants. Stop even asking them what they want. Set your heart to do what pleases God. Not you, not him or her, but God. That's what God the Father did. It says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. We have a generation of parents who said, my biggest responsibility is to give my child everything I can. How wrong you are in your thinking when it comes to material things, if that's what you're minded towards. God took away material things from his son that he might focus on God the Father's glory. He did that for our good. <laughs> for our good. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. He sacrificed his son. He gave him up. Instead of lavishing him with the pleasures of this world, he pointed him in a direction that would bring glory. Now, how is this? We see how it's good for us because that was the only way for us to be redeemed. That's the only way for us to be snatched from the, 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 the pattern, to be snatched from the being pointed to hell and snatched from that direction and pointed and secured in heaven. That was the only way for God to do that. But do we also see, we need to see that God did this so that his son would have maximum glory as well. And we see that glory break out when we read passages like Revelation chapter 5 where all in heaven are seen as saying, worthy is the Lamb to receive honor and glory and riches and power. Worthy all of heaven, all of his creation now is praising him and lavishing him with what always belongs to him, praise. So God said, even though it's going to be hardship for my son here on earth, and that's the key. He spared not his son on earth in this life so that his son would have everything in the life to come. And we ought to have that same attitude in our children. 
We will discipline them. We will correct them. We will guide them. We will even restrict them and teach them to restrict themselves from things here on earth need be so that they can glorify God and have it all in heaven. So we're not, we're not saying as a, as a parent you, 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 you're stingy and you holding back. What you're doing is disciplining for now so that they can enjoy eternity forever. All of us want our children to, to do well. We want them to, to enjoy. God wants that for us, but he knows the pattern or the, the, the path for that is often discipline, struggle, and difficulty. And so he didn't spare his son from that because he knew what it would accomplish. It's like the parents saying, yeah, I know you can't go to that party tonight because you got a test tomorrow. And you got to study and you got to prepare for that. And yeah, you're going to miss out some things, but I don't feel sorry for you because when you do well, you're going to be rewarded for that. You're not going to miss not going to that little party that you wanted to go to. You might not see that now. You might not see that next week. You might not see that as long as you live under my house. But as you mature, if you mature, you'll see it. As believers, we mature and we recognize that God has placed us in some hardships you know, God didn't take you. You're his child. God didn't take you from every, every pain and every suffering and every hardship. But he's there with you in it. And he has a purpose in it that it might bring glory to himself. Stop spoiling your kids. Stop trying to do everything for them. God doesn't do that for you. Because he knows better. He knows what's good. He knows what's best. He is pointing and directing you for his glory. Mothers, you have one of the most important tasks and jobs that there is that God has left you with. He has given children to you. Now, it's not on you only. That's why I say you have one of the most. God intended for a partner to come along. That partner in terms of a father terms of a husband. God also adds to that unit the strength of the church and, and the support of, of, of the church, men and women there who, who will help and have an impact on this child. But he's given you that primary responsibility as parents to point this child in a direction that brings glory to him. So look at that verse again in Psalm 127. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. He says, I want you to know that unless the Lord is blessing and in this, your perseverance and hard work as a parent and as a mother is not going to pay off dividends unless you're doing it God's way. But he says, behold, here's how I want you to view your children. They are a heritage from the Lord. They're the fruit of the womb, so they're going to be like you more than you think, so be the right tree. They're arrows. They're bullets, not babies. They need to be trained. They need to be guided. They need to be directed. They need to be pointed under God's direction and God's will. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. The quiver was just a simple sack that they wore to carry the arrows. First of all, it's a simple sack. 
simple slack. How can I apply that? He didn't have every computer game and video game available. Amen. Every new pair of tennis shoes was not important and significant. That was an arrow that was going to be pulled out and pointed. He says, have your quiver full of them. In other words, let them grow. God is accomplishing his, par- his purpose through these children in the hands of godly parents. I praise God for what he's doing here at Sweet Communion. Some have said we need to grow, and that we need to do. But you know what? For the last 10 years, we have not failed to have a birth in this church. (laughs) And so we're growing. How are we shaping those bullets? We're shaping them by making sure the tree is right. Ourselves. Making sure we set that example. Well, I'm tired tonight. I ain't going to go to prayer service. It ain't no big deal anyway. They see that. They hear that. They live that. That exact same attitude. They also see when you're tired and you persevere. Not just in church, but in in your daily life. When you honor the Lord in all that you do. They see that. The fruit is going to be like the tree. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with the enemies in the gates. Now, something about speaking to the enemies in the gates. The gate was, uh, was the main part of the city. And so you speak with an enemy in the gate. I think it's talking about warfare there. He says when it comes to war, he got some backup. <laughs> He's got some backup. He's got, he has trained, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, of uh, um, Abraham's army. <laughs> he took his household and went to battle. He says, as long as I got them, we all right. Us and the Lord, <laughs> we're going to be all right. He will not be ashamed when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. He ain't scared of nothing. This world's getting worse and worse, and we know it's even worse for now. Our children, my parents said it when I was young. They just shuddered at what kind of world I would have to live in, and I see it for my children and for my grandchildren. It's the same, but we don't have to be ashamed. God is equipping and allowing us to equip our children to face this wicked, sinful world with the gospel of Jesus Christ as long as we're instilling that in them. I just want to skip to the end, and when you get to chapter 20, 128, it says this, verse 4, Behold, thus shall, be the man, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Talk about his family. Verse 6, may you see your children's children. Talk about being a mother, being a grandmother. We have grandparents today so, uh, in our midst here who I think are doing more, taking more responsibility of their grandchildren at than their own children are. And that's to your credit that you're willing to do that. Some of us that has just fallen on our lot. In other cases, it may be an indication that maybe we didn't train our children in the right way to care for their responsibility. I don't know. You have to judge that for yourself. But the fact is, they're in our hands now. And God has entrusted us 
to shape them, to guide them, to teach them, to be an example to them. May you be faithful in doing that. May you recognize the responsibility God has given you to prepare that child and to be an example yourself. Father, we thank you for mothers here today who have persevered year after year, some young, some older. Thank you for them, Lord. Encourage their hearts to keep on in this battle. This is warfare. They are arrows in the hand of warriors. May we view our responsibility as you would have us to, and may we take it seriously. May we recognize that you are there to help, and so our labor is not in vain. We want to do it your way, your purpose, accomplish your purpose in it. And we don't want our labor to be in vain. So we pray that you bless the work of our hands, bless our children, bless our raising of them here at Sweet Communion so that they might glorify you. We'll rejoice as they do. We give you the glory and give you the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.